Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Man, I gotta say, uh, you know, one of the first letters that I would write, if you're, if you're new to the series, we're in week three and we're about to dive in, but as I was thinking about this, you know, a letter to my younger self or a letter from me back to myself when I first moved to California six years ago, it probably goes something like this, just right off the bat, we're going there. Um, I would say to myself, I would say, Jonathan, Even though the Warriors have won three NBA championships in the past five years, don't jump on the bandwagon because in 2023, the Kings are going to be legit and they're going to take them out in game seven. I mean, I got hometown, right? I got to jump in. So I know there's a huge game right after church today and I'm on the clock. So we're going to dive right in to this. Um, And uh, a lot of you just, you know, skipped out on church to watch the game because, you know, you don't love Jesus enough. So (laughs) there's that. We love you. We're just, it's a joke. Okay. For all of our online audience right now. Um, So the idea behind the series is this letters from my future self. The, The conviction behind the series is simple. It's that, gosh, we all learn, we grow, we gain experience as we live through life. You know, there's a reason that we say, you know, hopefully you grow older and wiser. There is no teacher in life like experience. And so many of us, if we're honest, we can look back on our journey of life. We can look back to our younger selves and say, gosh, I wish I could have told myself that. I wish I could have taught myself how to deal with things like that. I wish I could have spoken this into a younger version of myself and You know, week one, I talked about this idea of if I could write a letter to a younger version of myself, I'd tell myself way earlier on to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Last week, Pastor Chad, he touched on this idea of worry. Don't waste your life on worry. And today, we're going to touch on a topic. I mentioned it last week, but I think for some of you in the room, if we're being honest, and I want to be so realistic and also sympathetic to this, um, we're going to hit on a topic today that for some of you in this very moment feels impossible. Feels like it's asking too much. Feels like the pain and the hurt that you've experienced in your past is something that you will never be able to let go of. And I just want to say this to you today. I've been a pastor long enough to know that in a room this size and with all of you watching online, that there is an incredible amount of pain and hurt and sorrow that has been experienced within the lives of the people in this room and within the lives of the people watching online. And even in the moments, I want to say this, where this may feel too much for you, you may feel too weak to learn to let those things go, I want to say this. God's strength is perfected in your weakness. Where you come to the end of yourself and your own ability to forgive and to let go and to release the pain of your past, it's in that moment where you can give to God the deepest wounds in your heart and he will help you. 
And that's not just preacher's rhetoric. That is the truth of the gospel because the entire foundation of what we believe as Christians is predicated on this idea of forgiveness. And friends, that's what we're talking about today. Forgiveness. If I could write a letter to a younger version of Jonathan, I would say this to myself, Jonathan, choose to forgive. And I would add at the end of that, quickly. Choose to forgive quickly. Now, again, I know for some of you, it might be like, yeah, thanks pastor, that's not super helpful or easy. Been there, done that, tried it, hasn't worked. It's all still kind of hanging on internally inside of me. How do I forgive? How do I release? What does this even mean? Well, I'm so glad you asked. That's what we're gonna dive into today. And so I wanna hit on a few verses off the top. We're gonna dive into a parable that really Jesus unpacks this for us. And we're gonna look at why we should forgive and how we should forgive why we should forgive, and then how do we do this? What does forgiveness actually look like? And we're even gonna touch a minute on the misperceptions of forgiveness, what forgiveness is not. Because I think some of us have mistaken forgiveness with some other things that they're not intended to be included in that word. So in Matthew 6, verse 10 to 14, it's the Lord's Prayer. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples, when he's teaching what will be the world, all who will follow him for thousands upon thousands of years, when he's teaching them how to pray, he includes the theme of forgiveness right in the heart of the prayer. He even says you should pray it every day, just as a reminder that this is the paradigm from which you're living life. He says this in Matthew 6, verse 10, or I'm sorry, verse 12. He says, when you pray, pray to God, say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Lord, forgive us so that we can forgive others. And then in verse 14, he adds this little addendum at the end of the prayer. He says this, if you, contingent, if you, Forgive those who sin against you. Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Time out. What? Did Jesus just say that? You know, there are only two moments in the entire New Testament where it talks about Somebody potentially being outside the forgiveness of God or doing something that would harden their heart so much they would not be able to turn back to God. One of those is referred to as uh, blasphemy or offending of the Holy Spirit, which is our personal decision to reject God and to, to live our own life, to live constantly in things and in ways that are offensive to God to the point to which our heart becomes so calloused to the voice of God that not only do we not want him, even if he pursues us with grace, we can't hear his voice anymore. But the other time, the only other time where it actually says, your father will not forgive you your sins, because the grace of God extends man to all of us, all of the world, right? For whosoever believes in me will have eternal life. But right here, Jesus is saying, guys, men, women, 
Parents, children, if you refuse to offer the forgiveness that was offered to you by God, your father will not forgive your sins. And what I think he's actually saying there, and we're gonna see this in the parable is, if we have not yet fully received the grace and forgiveness of God, we will not be able to live in forgiveness towards others. If we don't understand the debt that was forgiven us, if we don't understand what we owed God and that he forgave us, we will have no capacity to forgive others. And friends, if we don't understand, that's the beginning of salvation, right? You're saved by grace through faith, but you believe that you were forgiven. And so what he's saying is if you don't have the capacity to forgive others, it means you really haven't fully understood what God has done for you. I, I don't think it's cut and dry. I don't think that's simple. I don't think it's a one plus one equals two ratio. I realize forgiveness is hard. I realize for many of us, you're like, dang, well, I've been trying to forgive. I, I just don't know how. I don't know how to let this go. This thing is still ruining my life. I know for some of you, you've, you've tried for years. You've begged God to take it away and it feels like it won't go. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna unpack this a little deeper and show you that even though you're not fully healed and even though the pain of your past still rears its ugly head and steals your joy and your peace today, friends, you can still choose to forgive. Forgiveness is not healing. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is the doorway. It's the beginning of the healing that God wants to do in your life. It's just the first step. And you can choose that before, even before you're totally healed. And so if I was gonna write a letter to my younger self, it would go something like this. Jonathan, each year that you grow older, you're gonna learn something important about life on planet Earth. And it's simply this. No one, and I mean no one, makes it to the finish line without getting hurt. No one makes it through this life without experiencing pain, loss, heartbreak, heartache, sorrow, and suffering. When you're young, most of the hurts and pain that you experience will be external pain. And in those moments, it's gonna feel like a big deal. And yes, some of those things are gonna be scary, but Jonathan, I'm telling you right now, as you grow older, you're gonna realize that the external pain is nothing compared to the internal pain that you will face in life. When you're learning to ride your bike, you're gonna fall down and scrape your knees a lot. You're gonna break a few bones. After your seventh grade year, your family's gonna take a summer vacation to the beach and you're gonna try to swim to the second sandbar by yourself. And in the midst of swimming through the deep water in between the first and second sandbar, you're gonna swim directly into a school of jellyfish. And you're gonna get stung all over your body. It will be terrifying, painful, and it will absolutely ruin the rest of the week because your face and body are covered in massive red welts. Yes, I'm sorry to tell you, getting stung by jellyfish hurts a lot. But as you go through life, you're gonna notice something. The worst pains are not external, they're internal. As you transition, Jonathan, from middle school into high school, you're gonna experience the pain of rejection. Certain people who were once your close friends won't want to be around you anymore, and you'll notice that you're not getting invited when they all hang out together. 
You're gonna experience heartbreak and betrayal when you fall head over heels your freshman year of high school for Elizabeth Starks, your first love. You're gonna take her on a few dates and things are gonna be looking great, but buckle up, Jonathan, don't give your heart away too quick. Yes, I know she's funny and athletic and all the things, but you, and you can't believe that she would actually say yes to a guy like you. You're gonna think this is too good to be true. Jonathan, trust me, it is too good to be true. And it's about to fall apart because your best friend, Jesse, is a two-faced lying son of a gun. And he's gonna steal your girl right from under your nose. From the moment they meet each other, it's literally over for you, Jonathan. She's gonna be too embarrassed to officially dump you, so she's gonna say yes when you invite her to the homecoming dance, even though she has no desire to go with you. And after the first song, she's gonna disappear and you're not gonna see her again until the end of the night when you walk out to the parking lot and discover that she's been studying for finals in the backseat of Jesse's car for the past two hours true story. Don't sweat it too much, Jonathan, because in three years, you're going to meet Lindsay, the love of your life. You're going to be thinking, thanking Jesus you didn't end up with her anyways. Sweetheart, you keep showing up in these letters. As the years go by, Jonathan, you're going to experience much, much deeper wounds from family members, loved ones, and sometimes your mistakes are going to be the cause of pain for others. You're going to realize that those you love the most have the capacity to cause the most pain in your life. Jonathan, in 2017, when you're 33 years old, you're going to pack up your entire family, move cross country, and take the lead pastor role at a church in El Dorado Hills, California. But brace yourself, because you're about to enter the most difficult and painful season of leadership in your life. In 2020, a global pandemic is going to sweep the world and everything, I mean everything, is going to get shut down, including the church you're leading. It's gonna be one of the most exhausting, grueling, and divisive moments in American history. You will have to lead your congregation through political conflict, racial conflict, even conflict over something called social distancing. I know you've never heard that phrase, Jonathan. Trust me, it's a thing coming. Face masks are gonna divide your church, vaccines, school closures, global supply chain disruption, and no matter what you do as a leader, you're going to make someone mad. Someone is gonna have a negative opinion about your decisions, your family, your church, the future of America, and everyone is going to have a very strong opinion about what you should and should not be doing as a pastor. It will be the most stressful, uncertain, confusing, exhausting, and painful time of your life to date. You will lose friends, you will be misunderstood, you will be slandered, accused of being a coward, and even accused of being hateful and insensitive. I need you to remember a few things, Jonathan. Hurt people hurt people. And in the same way you're experiencing hurt, in many ways, you've done that to others too. Most of the people who cause you pain and hurt are acting out of their own brokenness. They're acting out of their fear, trauma, and suffering. And most of them are filled with anger because deep down they are filled with even hatred for themselves. The reason we're all so judgmental, Jonathan, and impatient is because we have no grace for ourselves. 
The pain caused by betrayal, slander, and accusation hurts way more than a broken bone or even swimming into a school full of jellyfish. Jonathan, you will be tempted to harbor bitterness and resentment in your heart. There will be a desire to lash out, defend, and and fight back. There will be a desire to slander in return. You will be tempted to hold on to all the ways you've been wrong, to carry your hurts and your pain and your offenses with you everywhere you go. But Jonathan, you have to trust me when I say this. And it might sound impossible and unrealistic, but you'll thank me later. Choose to forgive quickly and learn to let it go. Learn to let it go. Unforgiveness, anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred. In the end, Jonathan, they don't serve you at all. They don't fix the past. They will weigh you down. They will keep you stuck. They will stress you out. They will fill you with anger. They will end up hurting everyone around you, even those that you love. And in the end, you will learn that resentment and bitterness are like steel chains locking you in a prison of your own making. No matter how bad it hurt, no matter how deep the wound, you will never experience freedom and healing until you choose to forgive and you learn to let it go. Friends, I know that there are some of you, even in this moment, who hear that, and I know there are some of you who are like, man, that was nothing compared to what I went through in 2020. And I believe it. I know the stories of some of you that have been through far worse. That's just a picture of my story, my life. And not even the whole picture, just a little tiny slice of it. Some of you cannot imagine letting go or forgiving what's happened to you in the past. Some of you can't even forgive yourself thinking, you don't know, pastor, what I've done. And I've been a pastor long enough to know that there's a wide range of all of this in the room. And what I wanna say is this. There is hope, there is healing, and forgiveness is possible. So I was thinking about it this week. I'm, the thing that came to mind was um, to represent all the pain and hurt and suffering that we've experienced in our lives It's kind of like nails, isn't it? You know, as you go through life, you experience all sorts of varying sizes and degrees and sharpness. I mean, some of them are kind of small, like a tack. Still hurts, it's got a sharp point, it's abrasive, it's not comfortable, ouch, I don't like that, right? Some of them are, you know, a little bit bigger. Not much bigger, but definitely still hurt. Some of them are even bigger than that. Some of the wounds that you're carrying around are larger than a thumbtack, but not as, not as big as, say, perhaps the trauma of abuse, neglect, some of the deeper things that have been experienced. The pain in our life, it comes in all shapes and sizes and in every different season, we experience it at different levels and some people experience some really big nails really early on in their life. Some people were lucky enough not to have the biggest nails in the early seasons of their life. But here's what I know. 
As we go through life and we, we accumulate this collection of uh, betrayal and hurt and rejection and trauma and pain and abuse and all the different things that we've been through as we walk through life and collect these things, what resentment and bitterness is at the end of the day is it's a conscious choice to hold on to the pain of our past the very things that, that broke us open and caused us to bleed. And by holding on to these things as we move into the future, what happens is this. They actually don't have the ability to heal. They keep reopening the wound. Every time that comes up and you hang on to the bitterness, you hang on to the resentment, it reopens the wound and you continue to bleed. And there's this reality where you have to say, okay, Lord, by your grace, somehow, some way, I can't go back and undo what's been done. I can't change it. I can't fix it. There's so much here. I'm not even sure how to do this, but you've got to help me let go. I don't need to carry these things anymore. They're not helpful. They're not allowing the open wounds in my soul, my mind, my heart to heal. Friends, a scar is not a bad thing. It's a sign that whatever the wound was has been healed. But as we continue to hang on to the hurts and the pain of our past, whether it was a spouse, a parent, a best friend, a family member, a coworker, a boss, a teacher, somebody in a position of trust and authority over you, as you continue to hang on to those things, the wounds never have a chance to heal because you keep reinflicting the wound. And there's an invitation from God to let it go. I'm here to tell you today, the pain of your past does not have to dictate your future. The pain of your past does not have to dictate your future. Choosing to forgive doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna fix it all. Doesn't mean all the feelings of that are gonna go away. Doesn't mean you're immediately healed from all the pain and trauma of whatever happened to you. It just means by letting it go, now you're not re-inflicting the wound on yourself. You're not dragging what happened in the past into the present moment and allowing it to dictate and destroy your peace and happiness today. It means you're learning to, to cut that tie and let it go so that healing can begin. Friends, I think it's important for us as we start to look at what forgiveness is not. Because we get this confused a little bit, right? Forgiveness is not reconciliation or restoration. There are some situations in your life that you've been through. That, man, that, that harm, that betrayal of trust, it's changed the nature of the relationship forever. There are certain situations that you've been through where as you try to re-enter in, the, the trust continues to be broken in the same way and it is completely biblical as we're about to see in a second to say, hey, this is not gonna get restored. I've even tried to restore it. This is not a healthy relationship. You can still choose to live in forgiveness and find healing from that. It doesn't mean that you're reconciled or restored. 
That'd be amazing if it happens. Reconciliation and restoration are a beautiful thing when they happen, but they're not always possible. Forgiveness is not fixing the past. You can't go back and undo what's been done. It's not forgetting the past. Oh my gosh, one of the worst phrases in the history of humanity is forgive and forget. Wouldn't that be awesome? If we all had to just delete, clear the history button in our brains, just like that, it's gone. We don't have that. Our brains actually function exactly the opposite. Whenever anything painful, fearful, or traumatic has happened to us, our brain lodges it, registers it, and says, okay, make sure to avoid that in the future. Forgetting isn't always possible, but healing is. Forgiveness is not the same as healing. It's the beginning, it's the doorway into healing, but just because you forgive somebody or you forgive yourself for what you've done in the past doesn't mean you're automatically healed. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Some of you today are literally saying, I can't forgive that person because I don't feel love towards them. I don't feel okay with them. I don't feel okay about that situation. Friends, forgiveness is not just a feeling. Your feelings will change over time, Lord willing, as you begin to deal and untangle the trauma of whatever it was. But forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not justice. It's not waiting until they get what's coming to them. Oh, come on, somebody. It's not, man, contingent on them getting what they deserve. If you're waiting for them necessarily to come and humble themselves and apologize and make amends for all the wrongs and hurts that they've done to you, friends, you may never walk in forgiveness. That may never happen. Forgiveness is not justice. It's not excusing the behavior. It's not saying that what happened to you was okay or right or should ever happen again. Forgiveness is not minimizing what happened to you. Oh, it was no big deal. Yeah, it was. It hurt. It wounded you. At one level or another, you were left bleeding. Forgiveness is not fair. It's choosing to say that I'm releasing you even though I have a right to hang on to that even though that really did hurt. That really was wrong. Forgiveness is not about the situation being fair. It's not about allowing continued abuse. Forgiveness isn't just saying, well, I forgive them and then staying in a spot that is dangerous for you. It's not what this is. And forgiveness is not one and done. That's why it's in the Lord's prayer. Every day, Lord, forgive me my sins, and help me forgive those who have sinned against me. It's not one and done. It's a decision of the heart and mind that you have to make every time resentment and bitterness rises up. Friends, last week, Pastor Chad talked about worry and stress. Worry and stress is anchored in the future. It's anchored in the potential bad things that could happen. Forgiveness is anchored in regret and resentment in our past. Regret and resentment keep us anchored to the past, the pain of our past, the mistakes we've made, and the pain that's been caused 
you know, by others to us. God has called us to live fully present in the present moment because this moment is all we have. Today is where your life is happening. You don't know what tomorrow holds. At the end of the day, you can make plans and it's wise to set goals and dreams for tomorrow, but you don't know what tomorrow holds. And friends, you can't change the past. It's already happened. Jesus has called us to live today, fully present, fully alive in this moment now, showing up, serving others, loving him with all of our heart, and to live for the purpose that he has created us for. Today is all you have. Today is real. It's two important statistics that I thought about. I've read these all over the place, but uh, the first one, 90% of the things that we worry about won't ever happen. Praise God for that. 100% of your past cannot be changed. And so often we live in the past or the future and it robs our present moment from joy, from peace, from the things that God wants to give us. So what is forgiveness? If we know what forgiveness is not, here's what I want us to see. Might be the next one. Forgiveness is a deliberate choice. It's not a feeling, it's not fixing it, it's not getting justice. Forgiveness is a deliberate choice to release, to release your resentment, bitterness, anger, or hatred towards someone who has harmed you, regardless of whether they deserve it or not. It's a conscious decision to say, that was awful, that hurt, there was deep pain there, or even to yourself, I can't believe what I've done I don't deserve forgiveness, and it's a conscious decision to release the past. Friends, Jesus died for your past. He died for the the pain and the trauma that you've experienced so that it can be covered by grace. It doesn't mean it's instantaneously healed or that you feel full freedom from whatever was done to you, but forgiveness is saying, I'm no longer allowing that thing to get pulled into my present moment through resentment and bitterness and anger to destroy all of my peace and joy and what God has called me to do and to be today. And I know it's gonna be a process, but I'm going to let go. It's summertime, so I think about the lake, think about tubing. I've had so many crazy stories tubing, but maybe you've experienced this. I remember growing up, Lindsay's parents, we, we went to the lake a lot. And um, I remember, you know, that moment, that first time where you're really trying to prove yourself on a tube and you're like, okay, Uh, no matter what, I'm not letting go. No matter what, I'm hanging on for dear life. And you know, you get thrown off a few times and you start realizing, okay, what I'm gonna do this time is I'm actually gonna like stick my arm through the handle, wrap it under the rope and grab the other side and then do the thing on this side. And so I'm like fully locked in. You know, maybe this has happened to you. This is stinking dangerous on a tube. You know why? Because at some point, you know, your father-in-law or your dad or your buddy or your brother or whoever is going to hit like a 90 degree turn going 50 miles an hour and you're going to hit the wake, you know, flying and you're going to land upside down and you're actually going to let go. But you're still going to be stuck on the tube. 
and you're gonna be upside down and you're gonna feel like you're gonna drown and you're gonna be praying to God. He looks back and sees you upside down as he's dragging you at 30 miles an hour under the water. Anybody else or is this just me, right? Few people, thank you, right? And so uh, you learn real quick and it's like this in life. There are things, forgiveness works like this. Don't miss this. You're gonna let it go, but that thing is still kind of hanging on. The feelings of it are still hanging on. You're still entangled in it. Healing takes time. It's a process. There are moments where the memories, the emotions, they come back, they rise up, and it pulls you underwater. And you're like, all right, I'm letting go again, but I'm still drowning here, God. That's okay. That's part of the process. But I promise you, you will never disentangle yourself from that object until you daily choose to let it go, to forgive. And it's a choice it's not a feeling. In Matthew 18, I, I'm not gonna read it. I, I wanna summarize it. But I wanna, I wanna tell you a parable so you, you all don't have to put it on the screens. Um, I would encourage you to read it later, but Peter comes up to Jesus and he's clearly coming from a place of offense. And he goes, Jesus, if a brother has sinned against me, how many times should I forgive him? Like up to seven times seems, you know, reasonable. The rabbis in the Talmud, they tell us if a brother sins against us, we can forgive him three times and we're off the hook. Three strikes, they're out. Don't have to deal with him anymore, right? Don't have to deal with that. I don't have to forgive him anymore. And Jesus goes, actually, Peter, I need you to forgive them 70 times seven. Now, you're like, okay, 490 times. Okay, I, uh, I'm tallying it up right now. This person's on 78 or 79. They're on number 93. I'm almost there. No, if you're counting, it's not forgiveness. <laughs> it's not about tallying up the wrongs, right? The idea is this. What Jesus is saying is he's blowing the proportions out of the water. He's like, look, it doesn't mean you're gonna be reconciled. In fact, he says, look, if someone sins against you and they've harmed you, right there in that same section, after he says, you should forgive them 70 times seven, he says, but then go to that person, if possible, right? There are situations where you can't go to that person who's harmed you or hurt you. He says, go to them, tell them the offense, bring someone else along, try and reconcile. If they... If they do ask forgiveness, if you guys come to terms, if restoration is made, great. The relationship is restored. If they deny it, reject it, and shift all the blame, he literally says, you can treat that person as a Gentile or a tax collector, meaning you don't have to have relationship with them anymore, but you can still choose to forgive. Forgiveness does not mean the relationship is fixed and fully healed. In this parable, he goes, let me tell you a parable about the kingdom of heaven. He goes, it's like a king who decided to settle accounts with all of his servants. And there was one servant who came to him who owed an incredible amount. He goes, I need you to repay right now. The servant dropped on his knees and he says, have mercy, I can't repay you. And he says, okay, well, I'm literally gonna put you in prison and sell you and your whole family into slavery until you can pay me back. He begs, king, master, please, I will do whatever. I will work the rest of my life to pay off this debt. Just don't put me in prison. The king has mercy on him, 
releases him, says the king forgave him the debt, released him from prison, and then the guy goes out. If you remember the story, he finds someone that owes him just a few bucks. And he walks up to that guy and he goes, I need you to pay me right now. And the guy goes, I don't have it. Please have mercy. Just give me some time. I'll pay you back, I promise. And in the word of God, it says the servant choked him and said, I'm throwing you in prison until you can pay me back every penny. The king heard about that. What do you think the king did? He calls that servant back in. He says, are you kidding me? This is the Jonathan paraphrase translation. I forgave you an unbelievable amount of debt and now you go out and you have the same opportunity to forgive somebody else, but you throw them in jail. Instead of releasing them and forgiving them like I forgave you, you cast judgment on them and you threw them in prison. Guess what? I'm throwing you in jail now. You're gonna be imprisoned. Think about this, and this is so important. The reason forgiveness and why we forgive is so important, I'm gonna hit these quickly, but unforgiveness, friends, if you choose not to release the past, it's like a prison. And the unforgiving servant, when he chose not to forgive his friend the debt that was owed to him, what happened to him in the end of the story? he got actually thrown in prison. The king tried to reconcile the relationship, the king forgave the debt, and then he turned around, he did not extend forgiveness to someone else. Who ended up in jail? Him. Once he was thrown in jail, the guy that he threw in jail was no longer liable to the debt that he owed him, he got set free. Think about this, how often are you hanging on to the pain of your past? holding it tightly, wishing the, with resentment and bitterness for justice to happen and hoping that they will say sorry or respond in the way that you want them to or for all that to get fixed and it's not gonna happen and you're holding on and holding on and holding on. What Jesus is saying is at the end of the day, that person is not in jail, you are. You're the one getting thrown in prison by your own resentment and bitterness. They're out on vacation enjoying a steak dinner, not even thinking about you. And they're ruining your life still. You see, the reason why we need to forgive friends, and I, again, my heart is full of, I know this is a journey and it's, again, forgiveness is not healing, it's not fixing it, it's a choice to release it and let the past be the past so you can begin the journey of healing. Why do we forgive? Because resentment is a heavy burden. It's heavy, we get weighed down by resentment. Proverbs 27.3 says, a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but resentment is heavier than them all, amen. If you've lived with bitterness and unforgiveness, you know it's a weight that you carry. Unforgiveness is paralyzing, it keeps you stuck. I think of the man that was lowered down on the mat through the roof by his friends. He was brought to Jesus and Jesus sees the paralyzed man and do you remember what he says to him? I forgive you. What? Jesus, he's paralyzed. Like, fix his legs. That's so why we brought him here. He goes, no, 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 no. His greatest need is forgiveness. His first and primary need is forgiveness. We'll get to the legs in a minute. 
My son, your sins are forgiven. Now stand up and walk and go. What a picture. How many of you are stuck, paralyzed by the past, literally like a, like a man laying on a mat who can't move because either you've not received forgiveness for yourself and what you've done or you're refusing to forgive someone else. Unforgiveness is unhealthy. Doctors, psychologists will say stress is very unhealthy. We know this physically for our body, but resentment is the most dangerous emotion a human can carry. It's literally dangerous for your physical health. Stress, we know all the stats, it causes high blood pressure. That's why every time you go to the doctor with something wrong, they're like, are you anxious or worried about anything in your life? Why are you asking about my mental health right now? Because it affects your physical health. Resentment and bitterness is actually unhealthy for you physically. It's a prison. This one's huge, and I don't wanna wanna miss this. If you look at Hebrews 12, 15, it says this. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no one be like a bitter root springing up and causing trouble, and through it many are corrupted. You know, bitterness and resentment, it causes, it's contagious. If you're holding on to hurt from a former marriage, from your childhood, from a former job, if you're holding on to hurt and you don't let that go, it's like the root of a weed that begins to grow in your life and it spreads corruption to everyone around you because of the pain of the past. Bitterness, resentment, it spreads. You have to sever it at the root. Close with this. Simply the question, okay, how do I forgive? How do I do this? This is heavy, this is hard. There's a lot of stuff back there. There's a lot of nails in my past, right? The first thing we see in the parable of the unforgiving servant is that He calls the man to account and he acknowledges that there's a debt owed and the man acknowledges, I can't pay it. So acknowledge it and name it, the offense, the hurt, whatever it was. You have to, whether you're writing it out, you're talking to a counselor, you're talking to a trusted friend, not spewing resentment and bitterness, but just saying, I can't let this go. It's affecting my whole life. Acknowledge it and name it. And then in that moment, and this takes time, and you have to do this over and over and over again, you gotta let go of the tube. And even though the tube's still hanging onto you and you're getting pulled underwater, you gotta keep letting it go. It says this, you have to forgive from the heart. The very last line of the the parable in verse 35, it says this, every one of you must forgive your brother from your heart. So it's gonna pop up, the memory of that's gonna pop up, the emotions of that are gonna pop up and you gotta let it go again. You gotta forgive again, you gotta choose to release and over time, the pain of that slowly gets healed. So release the offender in your head and heart, grieve. Some of forgiveness is the ability to mourn and grieve what happened, to acknowledge and name how painful and difficult that was and to allow yourself to feel the the sorrow of it. 
And even to bring that pain to God, God, I'm too weak, I can't let this go. I need your help, cast your cares on him, he cares for you. It's okay to grieve it. I think that's part of the forgiveness process, definitely a part of the healing process. If possible, seek restoration. If possible, have the conversation, see if the relationship can be healed. Bring others into the process and if through the process you learn really quick, it's not gonna be healed, this is not going any better, I can't trust this person, you've tried. You've given it your best shot. But the last one is the most important. You have to receive forgiveness for yourself. It says this in Ephesians. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Friends, the only way that we will be empowered to do this, to fully release the past and be healed, is if we understand the debt that we owed God. If we understand that all the offenses that we had towards God, it says this in Colossians, that all the handwritten offenses that were chronicled against us, that were written down against us, the record of debt that was written down against us, it was literally nailed to the cross. It was nailed to the cross. Jesus forgave it. He said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus took the nails that we deserved. He took the punishment that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. And when you understand the weight of what you've been forgiven, you're not only able to forgive yourself, why would you choose to live in self-hatred and shame and guilt over something that God died for so you could be released from? And then in the joy of your own forgiveness, the, the, the forgiveness that you've received from God, you're able to release others. Not, not excuse what they did, not fix what they did, not say it was okay what they did, not be fully healed from it immediately, but you're able to release it and move forward with your life. And my prayer for you is that everyone in this room who is feeling stuck, paralyzed, weighed down by their past, that you would see with fresh eyes and a fresh heart what Christ has done for you so you would have the power to begin your healing process and the healing process begins by letting it go. It's in the past, it can't be undone, it can't be fixed, it can't be changed. But you can break that chain you can decide not to allow your past to dictate your present or destroy your future through forgiveness. Amen. Friends, we're gonna take communion together now and I know there was a lot, we covered a lot. Um, please don't hear me saying that this is easy or that this is a one and done thing. My prayer for you in this moment is that you would begin to let go and release the very things, the wounds that you're holding on to that are still causing you to bleed so that those things can be healed. And healing begins 
with the forgiveness that we've received on the cross. Communion, it represents the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, his death on the cross for us. Friends, if you've never received the forgiveness of God and you wanna step into that forgiveness today, we have people that would love to pray with you at the prayer walls in the back. There's a connect card on the seat back in front of you. You can check the box and say, I, I wanna take a step of faith today. We'd love to pray with you, connect with you at our New to Hills area. But right now, we're gonna take a moment. We're gonna take communion together. Then we'll close our time. Let's take communion. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.